Welcome to the Long Come Norwich podcast, a habitat of huffy half-wits haranguing your ear holes with half-baked opinions following Norwich's latest contest with Hull. John, we looked thoroughly competent last night. Uh, a performance that perhaps the home supporters were owed given the last few months of dross they've been served up. Yeah, I couldn't believe it that, um, well, Maddie's flagged it in the Long Come Norwich uh, match review on the, on the website, which went up this morning. That I think it was 108 days, maybe 106, 108 days since we'd recorded a victory at home. That, quite frankly, is ridiculous. Um, yeah, 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 it certainly is regulation form, Neil. It, it felt like a team that had started to play to their strengths a bit more. So we were using Ida as an obvious outlet, you know, if we needed to go long, which wasn't all the time, you know, by the way, you know, we kind of, I thought we varied it really well, but you know, if we had needed a channel ball, a kind of an out ball, he was there. He played really well. I thought for someone who hasn't completed 90 minutes for, you know, a significant period of time. And it just felt like that athleticism and strength at at that end of the park was maybe what we'd been missing. And I say that as the biggest Tamu Pookie fan, you know, kind of going, you know, he is absolutely my boy, but I don't know, maybe Wagner has seen something, you know, in Colney to, to say that this might be the way that, that we need to play if we're, if we're going to execute his, his style and his game plan. So it was interesting. It was interesting that Sarah has basically stepped up and, and become, you know, kind of a, the midfield engine room because Kenny is dropping between the centre backs and, you know, yeah, in that, in that quarterback role, I thought he was he was perfectly competent last night. He had a really, really good game, which is good considering I thought that he had had two of his poorer performances this season preceding that. So it's, it's nice to see him back in the midfield mix. And how good were the fullbacks last night? I know Yanoulis comes in for quite a bit of stick in terms of he might be lightweight and he might do stupid things. And, you know, look, some of that is legitimate criticism. But there was a moment... And I was sat in the city stand last night, so you know, I don't. Lots of people probably wouldn't have noticed it, but there was a moment where he was absolutely, you know, sprinting at full pelt, um, and we, I think we were two one up at the time, and he was he was trying to get back, and his face there was just this wince on his face, like he was absolutely giving all for the football club, and I was like, yeah, that's what we want to see, and that's maybe what Wagner has, um, you know, been able to install in these players quickly. The other thing I'd say in terms of fullbacks is. It was really nice. And I could, again, I could hear him from, from my vantage point. Max was demanding the ball over and over and over again. And he was always you know, available for the switch. And, and he's just absolutely rejuvenated un, under Wagner. And I think he's probably the most likely to go in the summer because his form will be so good at this back end of the season. And look, he's maybe, maybe he's owed that move. He's, he's outstayed. Um, maybe you know, kind of his his expected um, you know, kind of Norwich tenure, if you like. But I don't, it was just really nice to see us playing with with high fullbacks, with intensity, with you know, almost looking to go back to front quite quickly. And we're you know, but in a in a considered way as well. And I'd been quite critical of the previous two performances because it just felt like we were blunt and there was no real creative force kind of had that a bit last night you know we've, we've scored three goals probably could have scored a couple more and it just felt like if we can replicate that level of performance and I don't think we will every week in week out let's be let's be honest about it um but if we could if we could start to harness that energy then yeah top six is is perfectly possible maybe not probable but perfectly possible and 
that we're not ready to go up. Um, but it'll be fun whilst we enjoy the ride. I haven't seen any of the, the of Wagner's post-match um, comments. It was it was very interesting to me, and I picked up on it um, and said to people next to me, Pukki's not even coming out to warm up, um, you know, during the second half. So I think there was an issue there. Now, whether I think someone had suggested that that, that he might have, you know, kind of felt a twinge in his calf um, when he was warming up the first half. Um, other people have suggested that it, it might be fatigue or just rotation. I don't know. You're right. You know, Sergeant Anita had given so much that, you know, you almost felt like, right, well, we, we need to change that up. And, and Pookie's perfectly, um, you know, kind of adept at, at pressing and, uh, you know, kind of, you know, it's really the reason that I felt like he wasn't on the pitch was because he hasn't got the natural strength of, of Ida or Sergeant and he's not as athletic as them. But, you know, he could have gone and done a job much as Christos Jolis went to try and do a job when, when Onel Hernandez came off. So I think there's maybe something up there in terms of his, his fitness. It just, it takes us one game further away from Tiemu not getting 100 Norwich goals. And look, I'll be frank, I can't see him doing it now and, and it that will you know, forever haunt me unless he signs a <laughs> another contract. It's not going to happen, is it? Bless him. Because he's just been an incredible servant for this football club. But I think to get back to your question, it the logic around it, one, I think, it, you know, Wagner has said he will rotate these players. Um, but two, it's we needed to look at the the strengths that we need up top to to successfully deploy his system. And it feels like that's maybe where he's shifting towards now. And Pookie will be a part of that, I am sure, for, you know, kind of forever, for for as long as he's at the football club, he will he will be a, a big part of of that. But it's just, we're seeing a change in the guard, I think, aren't we? I think that that's the only way you can put it. Yeah, I think we're going to talk about Pookie a lot between now and the end of the season. So so I think um, the same as you in that I didn't, I'm sure Wagner was asked the question, but having just quickly Googled it, I can't see if, if a specific answer was given. I, I it wasn't, you know, I, I've got to be honest, I didn't notice him warming up. I don't think I was astute enough to um, sort of pay attention to whether or not, because, yeah, I think I, it would have it would have made sense if he wasn't warming up, then clearly he doesn't look like he's about to come on. We also know he's a super good character guy, so he's not going to cause a stink, um, you would imagine, as long as it's not a long lay off in the team. Because, you know, he, he, it's not the only time he's been out of the team for a couple of games. That has happened before. You know, Farker did do it a couple of times. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I love the directness. I loved how Ida and, um, and Sergeant sort of dovetailed together. And I loved the, the fact that, you know who Ida really remind me of? There was a couple of things, sort of just physically, the way he um, swept across pitch with the ball and then brought in um, Maxi as he as he ran on the overlap. There was an element of kind of peak Dean Ashton about it. You know, big lad, fantastic touch, moves the ball out of his feet really smoothly in a kind of Rolls Royce fashion and then brings players in alongside him and then like turns and heads into the penalty box to receive kind of the cross. That was kind of the recollection I got from, you know, and I just thought, wow, if we've, if we've got this guy for a few more years and that's his ceiling, I mean, obviously maybe not quite as, as you know, England call up that, that, that Ashton got, but, you know, if, if we've I'd got... I'd be surprised if he got called up for England, mate, to be fair. Sorry, but you know what I mean? I, mean, <laughs> I know he's an international an international level 
yeah, you know, no offence to Ireland, but maybe you know, Premier League international level. Uh, if that's his ceiling, then I think we really have got um, something to be excited about, especially if you've then got Sargent who can 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 be a really willing runner alongside him. Um, and then I like the idea of... of of taking on the taking on the Premier League if we get there at the end of next season or who knows if if there is playoffs at the end of this season, um, taking on the Premier League with two up front because we haven't done that for ages. I mean, that's you know you're going back to Ashton and McKenzie, aren't you? Last time we actually had two up front, I can't think that we've done it. We've done yeah, it since then. Essentially, I think there might have been a few games where Elmander maybe played with Hooper or, or you know, look, I mean, we, <laughs> we weren't really to, taking it seriously. Names, I was gonna yeah, say. yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> but um, it's it really interesting with Ida that Dean Smith had come out and basically he hadn't used the words he's a crock, but he'd said something along the lines of he's an injury compromised athlete or joint compromised athlete, something along those lines, basically his knees are fucked and, and yeah. you know, look, look we're going to, we're going to manage him. And we've gone from that to a new five-year contract yeah. and him leading the line superbly well. And like you say, looked out on his feet, but you know, that was maybe out of necessity more than anything. So yeah, maybe this is the, the start of either on the up. We've had a few false dawns with that lad and, and it has always been come down to injury rather than form yeah. or anything else. So you just really want to see it go right for him. You want to see him get a run of games. You want to see him start to score goals, just get that confidence up because there is definitely, as you say, there's, there's a, a real player in him. And I hadn't even thought about, you know, kind of the, um, maybe, you know, that he's Ashton like, or he's, he's, I think he's a lot quicker than Ashton and he's well, maybe yeah. a lot more direct than Ashton. Um, but yeah, uh, I know what you mean in terms of his strength know. and being able to bring it, you know, people into play. Um, I think he's, he did, I think he did a really good job of that. Attributes. I think it's attributes. I think Ashton was of an age of an era, you know, Ashton mm. probably would have come up through a youth level to be trained in a similar way to how Ida has been. So, so maybe Ashton, I mean, he might not be even faster, um, but the, in terms of the, um, I mean, uh, you know, just have, let's have it right. I mean that as a really high compliment that like yeah yeah of course ashton i think is um you know you've got to go back to sutton for a top flight striker that has been in the norwich side and you've gone i think he would fit in most top flight um premier league teams like that that was how good he was and we got such Mm. a tiny bit of ashton in the premier league and then obviously he went on to show he could do it at west ham and um yeah i i um i i meant that as, as as the as the highest compliment because it was the way in which he was. He, he did it a couple of times in the first half, away from the south stand, across to the city stand, bringing Max in. There was something about the the the, the way that he was in control. No, I'm going to knock the ball out of my feet, but into a space that only I can then get to it, and I'm then going to be in control of who I then bring into the play. I I, I loved it. I, I'm um, you know, I I like what I'm seeing in this early Wagner Rock era. The Burnley game, it was dreadful really low energy as we've talked about um i really liked um i like the fact that we're creating lots of chances that are of a higher xg than they were under um smith uh, i like the fact that we've maintained the fact that set pieces were still very solid defensively although we're still not causing enough of a problem offensively um but these mistakes uh, was it um I can't remember who I saw. I want to give credit to the person, but um, it might have been NCFC numbers. I mean, it normally is, but I can't 100% be sure. Someone yesterday had an amazing stat 
that we've got something like the joint highest number of mistakes that leads to goals in European football. And oh wow! Like, I knew it was really bad. Like we would double anyone else in the league, but yeah. You know. So I have I haven't I haven't doubled. It was it was I think it was on the Twitters. I think it was NCFC numbers. So I haven't done my research, but I almost feel I don't need to Joking. because. You know, hey, research well, again. Well, well, I'm thinking Ida's going to get an England call up, so you know <laughs> I, I missed the fact check. But you know what I mean. But you almost think like even without checking that, you think yeah, sounds legit. Like yeah, and and last night again, you know, last night against Hull, more than one occasion, their their only real threat was going to come from us fucking it up. Like that and was the, the, the goal. Like, let's be honest. I mean, we can get. I don't think we need to get into a goalkeeper debate because that's been done to death elsewhere. But you could say that Angus was culpable for that goal. You know, he was mm. weak on the cross. It mm. didn't get enough on it, and then he's on the floor, and it's it's in the back of the net before you know it. And look, clearly, he's definitely culpable for for Saturday's goal. Yes. So there is there is still a debate to be had about the goalkeepers. And and look, I don't. I think Tim Krull's come in for a lot of stick when actually he commands his box pretty well. He's an excellent shot stopper. I think probably better than Angus in terms of, of shot stopping. And yeah, look, he'll be the first to admit he's been pretty poor with his feet this season, you know, throughout this season. It's the distribution that, that got him dropped, not, not his yeah, shot stopper. Yeah, 100%. And I, I, I kind of feel for him because and I don't think this is a particularly um, popular opinion, but I actually think Tim Krull, the 18-19, 19-20 Krull, was better with his feet once he got used to what Farker was trying to do. He was better with his feet than Angus was in 17-18. And that's not a, a slight on Angus. I just think that, you know, Cruel really got it. And I wonder whether if we'd have persisted with him, he might have got into his rhythm and he might have picked it up. But, you know, it, it did become an issue that was was probably too big and, and Wagner had to do something about it. I it? think there's also a combo of that. I also think maybe Zimmerman Godfrey... Um, and him that that three in that eighteen nineteen season in particular, the 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 last three months of that season, they just had such an incredible chemistry with regards to yeah. playing out from the back and starting it off. And then yeah, yeah. neither Zimmerman nor Godfrey, I mean, Godfrey would stride forward with it a bit more often. But but the the plan was not for those three to have it very long. Whereas <laughs> in the later part of Farker's reign and definitely during the Bollard's reign. There was a lot. We seem to want to have a lot of time with just that kind of back, that core back three having the ball. Yeah. Um, and on on the point of cruel, um, if early in this season we did call out a few a few times because obviously we were riding high in the automatic places and and troubling the top three or four early in the season with that good run we were on. A lot of that was down to Tim Krull making a fantastic save at nil-nil or a fantastic save at one-nil. Um, and we called that out and we made a point that he is keeping us in games that we are narrowly snakes um, scraping through. So I, I I honestly think that given how much they've now played, I mean, I, I shouldn't think they're far off 50-50 now, maybe, the games they've started. Um, I think... Both of them can probably have a good case to feel a bit aggrieved and both of them can have a case to feel culpable in terms of why I should be in or out of the team. I think they've both done enough good stuff both ways. Um, so I guess you could point to it to be a nice problem for Wagner to have that he's got two keepers who a lot of championship teams would swap theirs for. And I still think that's the case. Um, yeah. And But maybe 
maybe we 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 haven't got the Premier League keeper we would need if if we were to go. Yeah, I think that's fair. And we've just referenced look a changing of the guard up front. I think we're probably seeing the changing of the guard in in goal as well, aren't we? Because Tim is at a stage of his career where he's going to want to be the number one, or yeah. he's going to want to be the number three on a big fuck off wedge of money. You know, so like a, look, Rob Green, a Rob Green Chelsea contract. Yeah, yeah. 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 You know, and I, I, you know, I've I've had conversations with you know people at the club where that has felt like that might be an option for him, and I think you know this summer just gone, maybe there was a you know kind of a, a credible look if the if the right offer comes in. He'll go because we've got Angus, and and actually that's going to be perfectly fine at this level. So Angus I think single. you can't um, say we've he's... got Angus and not follow it up with the rest <laughs> of the song. But he's, you know, it's. I feel sad about it because it's the beginning of the end for someone who I think may well end up in the club's hall of fame and, oh, and should. There's end up no in the doubt club's that he will, mate. There's no doubt that he will. But it, it does feel like I would be surprised if we see cruel in a Norwich shirt again with any kind of regularity like ever full stop you know and because uh, Angus is the future like there's there's no doubt about that he is our future in terms of you know kind of goalkeeping and you're right like maybe neither of them are up to like kind of top end Premier League goalkeepers but we're not shopping in those markets at the moment and we're, we're probably... not and we're, we're oh, not going to be at the Premier League if we get there I mean I would say um I would say that it would be similar to the Fearman situation you know it would be a case of angus you 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 were the number one when we got promoted we're going to bring someone in who has got who feels like they want to be number one in the premier league who hasn't had the chance to be number one in the premier league before and you're going to battle it out and premier league being what the premier league is like you'll probably both end up with at least 20 starts because it actually the bottom half of the premier league you often have keepers that do 10 here and and 10 there depending on you know runs of form and, and how the team is playing um, because you, you every now and again you get battered by a Liverpool or a Man City or whatever, and maybe you change the keeper because of it. Um, but yeah, I, I um, I, I, going back to you know talking about the this initial Wagner reign. Would you say you're seeing what you thought you were going to see? Like, how, how where are we at in terms? Because you were a little bit cooler on his appointment than me. Neither of us were ten out of ten. Oh my goodness me, this is amazing, mm. but. I was, I think it was half a mark out of 10 keener than you. Would you say that we are maybe on par with where you thought we'd get to a bit ahead of schedule? Yeah, but it's, it's difficult. Like we've seen, I think two performances where I've thought there's a lot of control there. There's a, you can see what mm-hmm. he's trying to do properly. And it felt like, and look, we never had this under Smith in in his tenure, maybe where we've put together a performance where for the full 90 minutes or maybe, you know, kind of 75, 80 minutes, we've bettered a team, you know, kind of significantly. And and we've done that at Preston. We've done that last night. Coventry was a bit harem scaring, but actually second half, we, yeah, you yeah. Know, there was a, a massive second, degree of the control. second half onwards, we looked like so, the, the team that knew what they were doing. So there's signs that I think, look, anyone outside of the top 10, we should be able to deal with comfortably. And there's also signs to say that a team in form um, or a team that that has the requisite quality we're going to struggle with at the moment, you know, because Bristol City were in decent form. Burnley, just one of the best championship sides in terms of maybe more than the sum of their parts that I've seen at Carrow Road for a good while. And I think yeah. your comparison to that, that Newcastle side is, you know, is a really good one. So 
that's that that's the progression right that's where we we now need to go and see a performance against one of the bigger teams and it really didn't bother me the burnley defeat what bothered me more was we didn't try and impress upon burnley what we'd been doing in the previous two games we as you say we didn't go and press them maybe with the intensity that that we had in previous games and if we'd have done that and got picked apart do you know what as long as you can see the application as long as you can see the effort as long as you can see the the kind of the the infancy of of Wagner's plan against better sides. I think we'd have all have taken that, wouldn't we? You know, we, no one was rolling into that expecting us to to absolutely smash Burnley. I, I thought anyway, although there was lots of people that, that were very positive about the fact that we were going to turn them over. I think to answer your question, we're about where I thought we might be and that, look, the jury is is definitely still going to be out and still going to be out for a while if we if we carry on with this level of inconsistency. But there are slightly more good things at this stage than maybe I thought there might be. Um, I think, well, I you know, the, go on. well the, only, the only other thing I was going to say is I think we need, you know, look, the, the couple of games preceding this has put in stark contrast, you know, let's not get away from ourselves. This squad isn't as good as anyone thought at the start of the season. And, and the mm. fact that the squad and, you know, in their in, players still in their interviews are saying, oh, well, we've got the best squad in the division. No, we haven't. Like, of course no, we haven't because no, we're, we haven't. you know, we're eighth now, but we were 10th when you said it. Like, don't be ridiculous. Mm. Like, And so I, I wonder, you know, whether this operation kind of, I've called it Operation Total Reset. I think that that's going to happen in the summer and there's going to be an absolute, you know, kind of seismic change at the football club. And that, you know, I'm sure we'll get into it, but that, that comes with the ownership model as well. That, yeah things are going to change and, and it's not going to look like what we've been used to. And, and there's going to be people around the football club that we'd become really accustomed to and, and, you know, kind of really taken to our hearts and they're just not going to be there anymore or they're going to be playing a more limited role. And yeah, it's going to be a period of adjustment. I think. I think the, I think it'd be interesting to see what our opinion is um, in three matches time. So mm. we're about to play 18th, 21st and 22nd so so that that will be a test of your theory of actually are we going to be flat track bullies like we were at the start of the season and put away because now these kind of teams that we we beat I mean you know one of them beat us Cardiff at the first game of the season but um you know generally although we did batter them for a lot of that game um generally we were flat track bullies will we see that again um with, with under this team and if we play like we played against Hull the answer is yes, and we'll score some good goals because yeah. we 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 looked like we knew exactly how we were going to get from A to B. There was very little dithering, very little questioning what I should do next. The, the, the directness, the energy, uh, it's, it's really enjoyable to watch. It's not Farker ball. It's not it's not particularly beautiful triangles, although there's elements of that in transition. It just seems to be a really direct, but quite nice to watch. Yeah, quick, energetic. Let's get forward so quickly that they can't sort themselves out. Pressing, getting the ball back. That 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 went really well against Hull. The getting the ball back, either in the first or second press, went really, really well. Then after that, to almost completely prove your point, we've then got Millwall and Sunderland like straight afterwards, back to back. You know, we're at the we're at the den, and then we're then we we're at, um, Sunderland come to us. So you've gone from eighteenth, twenty second, twenty first to all of a sudden you're facing people who are obviously that's three games away, but currently are fifth and seventh. So both above us and both effectively 
our, our direct rivals for the sixth, the, the sixth, fifth playoff spots that feel like if Norwich are going to finish anywhere positively, it's going to be fifth or sixth. So we, we are effectively, they are promotion six-pointers or playoff chasing six-pointers. So we've got three games to tune up um, and you feel like we need probably nine points, at worst seven, because of the opposition and because of the run of games we've then got coming up afterwards. If we pick up seven points from those games and then basically split the next two, winning a loss or a couple of draws would probably be okay because mm. you know if we do win three in a row, we'll probably be above at least one of those two. We're only one game at the playoffs now, one and a bit at the playoffs now. So it'll be really interesting, I think, to see how 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 this next little run goes. And and I think at that point, we will be, we'll be able to judge, we'll be approaching 10 games under Wagner in the league. Actually, what do we look like? You know, is it, we were talking before we press record, do you say, well, it's three wins out of five in the league? Does that double to to six in ten? Does it does it is it six a draw and a couple of losses? Um or, or all of a sudden are we including the Blackburn game and going, well, actually it's only four from four from ten. That's you know, actually he's he's you know, he's not got the best win percentage, etc. Um so let's talk about these these shares then. So we're recording this on the Wednesday after the, the, the whole Tuesday game. Um we've got um you know the most dramatic change really in terms of ownership at the club in what approaching 30 years um you know absolutely seismic really that no longer are Delia and Michael able to say yes when everyone else says no yeah and I, I think that's really interesting because Delia and Michael and I think you know look Stuart and Zoe Weber have talked about the benefits of collaborative working I've talked about you know kind of we're um, none of us is cleverer than all of us or, you know, where, however the, the phrase goes. And, and that's really going to be tested now. I, I'm i not sure how I feel about it because essentially what we're going to have, look, if as we think, and, you know, the noises are that it's absolutely the Atanasios that are hoovering up those 194,000 shares. Um, you know, if they do that, from what we hear, basically that puts them on pretty much level pegging with, yeah. with Delia and Michael. So they're both around the 40% mark. And so, like, what happens if there's disagreement? What happens if, you know, and I mean serious disagreement about the, the future direction of the football club? Because what we've got is um, a sporting director model, which I fully support and, and endorse. But you've also got a sporting director who hasn't really got credit in the bank anymore because of successive transfer windows that haven't gone particularly well. But he is certainly a man that has proven himself and has two championship titles and three championship promotions on his CV and has also proven himself to be extremely adept at working in a transfer market where you have to be creative or funds are more limited. What he hasn't done is proven himself maybe signing, you know, 10 million pound players that, that, you know, kind of have, have then worked out to, to create profit for us. You know, that just hasn't happened under Stuart Weber. So what happens if season down the line, 18 months down the line, we've had another, two or three really poor transfer windows and suddenly the you know Atanasio and maybe I think because they've got another board seat haven't they that they can appoint to I think for for the American kind of um the Americans that what happens when they start to ask a few questions maybe that that maybe wouldn't have been asked before and I, I look I welcome that additional layer of scrutiny I think it's a really good thing but it's it's going to be really interesting to see how that pans out and look, we'll never be privy to the conversations in the boardroom, but 
I hope that it's the positive that they're selling. I hope it is the, look, we can really learn from what the Milwaukee Brewers are doing and the Brewers can learn from what Norwich are doing. And, and you know, look, everyone's going to be a winner. Um, but football isn't, you know, kind of as simple as that. And I'm sure baseball probably isn't as simple as that, that, you know, we all just talk about what we do really well and then we'll just do some of that and everything will be brilliant forever. You know, that's that's not going to happen. But again, you know, like, like we said, it's it's a changing of the guard. I think this this is this is the precursor to the Atanasios taking over the football club in full, and I think most people are ready for it now, aren't they? Most people are kind of of the view that do you know what we there's a necessity to to what needs to happen because the only reason these shares are getting issued right now is because the club are really short of cash, are massively short of cash. We've taken out nearly sixty million quid's worth of loans. And, you know, we still want to do up the city stand and we, you know, we'll put another tier on the city stand or knock it down and start again. And, and you know, we've, there's still infrastructure pro- projects at Colney that, that they want to complete. So if, another you know, tier if Stuart on the Webber, yeah, well, yeah, <laughs> but, you know, like if Stuart Webber and Zoe Webber's legacy is that um, they're going to swan off into really the sunset and I've said this before, <laughs> but, you know, but if their, if their legacy is like, they got you know, a legacy the, Fumes up Colney. Hang on, but if they're seriously though, if their legacy is going to be like a thirty-two thousand capacity stadium, and Norwich City being established in the Premier League, there is lots of work to do, and we will need a fair bit of money to do that. And that's the impression I get is that the the cash injection, which is about to come probably in the next couple of weeks, isn't necessarily for the football side of the business. And I think that's where maybe people might need to temper their expectations i think it's more around the infrastructure which will set us up you know down the line you know say five ten years down the road where the additional season ticket money's coming in and and maybe the catering revenue because we've done something fancy with you know one of the restaurants or bars or whatever you know all of those projects will will start to come to fruition because i think that's what the atanasios are in it for the long term much like they were with the brewers and and they invested in in the stadium and and you know kind of um training grounds i think you know and all the rest of it i think they get that they, they're here for the long term and that's why they have been chosen as as the ones that that may ultimately succeed delia and michael and become majority shareholders so yeah it's a really interesting times to come i don't think i don't think we're going to see anything any kind of immediacy around the atanasios being the majority shareholders anytime soon but yeah i think it's going to be a collaboration for a good while yet yeah I'm, I'm a bit surprised how quickly they've gone from the initial stage to this um i mean and, I, would... but, and that's where i think that's born out of necessity because we're just so hard up well i mm, that's interesting are you saying that because you've heard that or are you saying that because you're reading the tea leaves that way uh tea leaves definitely but yeah look, no, I, the club I, have I, been I... fairly candid and gone we haven't got any money anymore no no i appreciate that however just because that's the case, it doesn't necessarily mean, if anything, that might be a reason why the Atanasios go, well, hang on a compic minute. Like, does the football club, hang on, do soccer clubs lose money? You know, like... <laughs> if they're only just realising that, we're all <laughs> fucked, mate. <laughs> I know, but that's, but, that's, <laughs> but that's kind of my point. The fact that it's so bleak, and they would have done their due diligence before even buying the what buying one share for 50p, but I don't know. I, 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 I take, I mean, I'm Mr. Halfful on this whole, you know shenanigans of, of the, the transfer and I like to think of it as 
the fact that they've moved so quickly from they gave themselves you know several years before you know they they need to either get cash out or or or, or front up kind of thing um and the fact that we're only talking you know three months or whatever three and a half four months since all of a sudden they were at Carrow road saying oh by the way this is me and this is what i'm doing i i think that can only be a positive thing that they've actually seen enough now to say do you know what yeah will stump up and, and help by doing this restructure and put some money at risk, which is effectively what they're doing um, by, by buying such a and large that's what I, mean. I don't think it's a bad thing. I'm not, this isn't me being, you know, kind of being glass half empty. I think it's just, do you know what? We're hard up and these guys can help now. And we trust them already to come in and help. And we know what, you know, look, if all things go well, this is how it's going to pan out long term. It's going to be their football club. I think that's just where we're at is that, that, that look, if if we'd have been looking like we were going to make a Premier League return or, you know, all of the assets that we'd signed over the last, you know, few transfer windows had had seen a massive return on investment, oh, I don't think they, I think they'd have invested in Michael Fulger's shares, but I don't think they'd have had to put the extra money in. I think this is just mm, maybe like a, a recalibration, should okay. we say. Well, let's let's take a couple of questions before we wrap things up today, because um, we did have a couple of interesting ones. One in particular that is, uh, you could do quite a long podcast just on the subject of, of this alone. It might be something we revisit in the summer. Yeah, it might be something that we have to revisit in the summer because I'm conscious that you haven't got that long, mate. But no, just lunchtime. The first one, um, which I really liked, is from our mate Andrew Kent, who asks if this is to be Tiemu's last season with us. Where does he rank amongst the great Norwich City strikers and why? And I thought maybe we could broaden this out and try and come up with a, a long come Norwich top five Norwich City strikers. And I, I think maybe I have to caveat this and say within our lifetimes because we don't know enough about, yeah. you know, the, the top scorers that, yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, Holty is, Holty has to be top three. Pookie has to be top three. Um, out and out strikers, not forward players. Yeah, so, so I think we discount Hux or Hux and Houlihan, and, and yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I th- I think I think Holt and Holt and Timu will be basically vying for number one, depending on yeah. which game or which run of games you're fondly looking back on. Um, or which season? Yeah, I think you're yeah, probably exactly. looking you know, back on. Yeah, you know that the, the um, you know there's been a few. There was a few kind of um, X years to the day of of that Ipswich three nil, um, and obviously so. But then likewise, when you look back to 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 the kind of some of the Ipswich games with the Holtley starred in, and um, you know that that journey that we went on with with Lambert um, from League One up to the Premier League and staying there was was just fantastic, and Holt was just such a it was it was just so nice to watch. Um, well, surely he can't do it at this level. Oh, he can. Oh, surely he can't do it at this level. Oh, he can. Yeah. You know, and that was and we maybe the fact we didn't have that with Pookie in that. Well, we got him on a free. Who knows? You know, this is basically very low, very low risk, very high reward. He's done brilliantly. I was fairly confident he'd score goals in the Premier League once we'd, I'd seen what he could do at the Championship yeah. level. Anyway, types of goals he scored with Holt hands hands up. I think. I can't believe anyone was, was was confident that he would genuinely be a threat in the Premier League. And Mate, he was. I discounted him at championship level. I thought, oh, it'll be good for 10, that's, 15 at championship level and then that's smashed it. Point. That's my point. I, so, so I would maybe give him the edge just purely on the, purely on that, that element to it. Um, I think Pookie would probably need to do another, maybe another year 
in uh, I mean, you know, in terms of promotions, they've, they've you know, they've, they've, I mean, they've, he's, they've he's played it. a lot more games than Grant Holt, though. That's the thing. He has he's played a lot more games than Grant Holt. He's scored consistently. He's hit double figures every season. He's he's been at Norwich. Um, he's been part of that season, you know, the eighteen nineteen. And he scored another twenty goals, you know, in another championship promotion campaign. He had mm. he didn't have the luxury of a season in League One, where let's be honest, if he had, he'd have probably scored thirty five goals, you yeah. know, something ridiculous. I, mean, I, I think I mean, there's a legitimate claim for both of them to have been the best strikers of the, our life. Yeah, of the last thirty odd years. I mean, so, we, Sutton's got to be in there. Yeah, um, Ewan. I don't think you can. I mean, I think Ewan's I longevity. Would, I, yeah. So, so again, it then comes down to ability. So. You know, Ashton was fifteen. No, not fifteen strong. Ashton was maybe three times the player Ewan was in terms of how, uh, in terms of ability. However, um, he was only with us for five minutes. Yeah. So, so because otherwise it, you'd be extending it out to Earnshaw or Craig Bellamy well, or you know, whoever. Um, uh, and who was it? Who was it? We had on loan who scored a couple of hat tricks and ah um, uh, oh, begins with L, I think. Leroy um, Lita. Leroy Lita, that's it. Get so, out. See, I, I'll I talk love, about it in this I conversation. Love, I love Leroy Lita. No, but again, about short, uh, short, short, sharp burst where it was, yeah, yeah. It was it fun and you were, thought you were you're coming along for the ride kind of thing. That was a really fun, short, sharp burst where he suddenly scored and he kept scoring multiple goals in the game. Um, you know, Danny Pacheco enjoyed, enjoyed his short, short stay as well. But anyway, getting on to a loan conversation. There. But, um, um, if we get back into strikers, I'd say you, you've got to throw Robert Fleck in the mix. You've got to throw yes. Ewan in the mix. You've got to Oku. throw Sutton Oku in the was mix. brilliant. Yeah, but again, he didn't play that many games. No, I don't no. think for us, and he didn't actually score that many goals. I don't think if you if you look Kai at his Kamara, record, uh, yeah, you get no. Elmanda. This is silly. <laughs> this is silly now. Well, you said you mentioned Elmanda earlier. Gary Hooper he scored a fantastic volley, uh, yeah, but not that, in that, the pantheon the of Norwich City strikers. Of course not. No, <laughs> Lewis Graben got sent off. That was the same game that he scored that incredible volley, wasn't it? Um, I was at I was at Rotherham for that New York City Stadium. Um, oh, I can't remember him scoring. I can remember the the, the red card. Yeah, Hoop, I think Hooper scored. I think Hooper scored a, a, an absolute thunderbastard volley. Uh, so we've I got think, to look, we've like, got a five of like Holt, Pookie, Sutton, Roberts, Fleck. Not necessarily in that order. But I you know. I don't think I wouldn't put Roberts above Ashton. No, I'm not. I just don't think Ashton played long enough for us to be considered in this conversation. I think that's that's my only logic around this. Okay, but Fleck definitely. I loved Robert Fleck. Oh, he's yeah. Have we missed anyone? Have we missed anyone that we're going to be almost certainly? Yeah, kicking but, ourselves. I mean, if we were another podcast, we would say get Ashton in the Ward. comments. Get in I the comments Ashton now. Ward. Hit us up on the socials with your suggestions. You know, because we'd be going for hashtag engagement. Um, who's the guy? Uh, Loopily. Um. <laughs> well, well, now that that's that's a nice segue into okay. the other question that we've had, which you know you're right, we haven't got long enough for. But Matthew McGregor asks, um, this is a massive topic given the range of options. But who is your favourite ever loan player who barely played at all because of injuries before returning to their parent club? And evidently, he is referencing Aaron Ramsey this season. And you'd probably say, although he hasn't returned yet, but. You know Isaac Hayden as well this season. Our loans have not worked out particularly no. well. Who else no. you got? Um, well, I mean, my f- f- loan conversations. I always go straight to Henry Lansbury. Um, I, I adored him. Um, I think if, the question is like who barely played because they got injured no, and, and it was know, a very Norwich style signing. I can't, I can't, I can't have the word loan said without 
then immediately go into to Henry Lansbury. Um, <laughs> All right. Give me give me your list, and I'll and I'll ship in. There is. So I did a li- I I just put some thoughts on. No, some of these haven't got injured and like returned to their parent club, but it was just players that were worthy of note. So someone in the comments came up with John Kennedy, which yeah, I thought shout. was an excellent shout. Shout. Um, Matt Jarvis, I think, initially started yeah. as a loan, didn't he? And then turned permanent. And but, I mean, look, let's be honest, his injury record was just... Cockwell ankles. Yeah. Um, Joseph Yobo, I think... Oh, I'd, yeah. I'd put on a, only on a, like, which players have we had on, on loan? Um, Gutierrez, I think he went back to Newcastle and then played a few yeah. games that season. Um, and, then, and then I just started looking through players that we'd loaned and... F- so I just want to throw out a few names that I'd completely forgotten that had ever played for Norwich. So we've got Patrick Boyle. Yeah. Lee Camp. Yeah, I remember Lee Camp, yeah. OJ Caroma. I mean, we all remember. but Didn't Lee I, Camp play in a derby? He could be right, actually. I think we didn't we have to sign him as like an emergency loan or something. Yeah, I think he... Was that Roder signed him? He could, he could be right. Yeah. Or Grant, that kind of era. Chris yeah. Killen. I Chris mean, Killen, yeah. Just... Yeah, you're right. It is a whole podcast that we could just go through the various ridiculousness of lone players. Lone A to Z would be good fun to try and do. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, there you go. Lee Camden, I've played for some players, for some teams. 2013, he made three appearances. Oh, 2013, was it that? Yeah, apparently. For Norwich. That's what Wikipedia says, and they're never wrong. Yeah, so um, let's have a look. Let's quickly quick look. Uh, uh, he wore the number 42 shirt. Uh, yeah, it's because Mark Bum was sent off. That's right. So we were already we signed? Really? Yes, we were, already, we were already on our backup. And then Bun got sent off for handling the ball outside the box. Uh, and he played in the, he played in the Premier League uh, against Wigan. Uh, and then he was, and then he came in for Mark Bunn again because oh Bunn went off for the groin injury against Swansea. I do remember that. Yeah. Had we had him before that, or am I just no. dreaming that? No, well, well not I'm according in... to Wikipedia, which again is never so wrong. Lee Camp was a Premier League goalkeeper. Wow. Yeah, yeah. In my head, I had him as like in our weird sort of championship years, and I, yeah. I for some reason, I remember him playing against Ipswich. So that must have been a different lone goalkeeper. I think we need to do a loans episode because it, I, I'm sure it's the same with every club. But when you actually do then go and look through, you just go, oh, yeah, I forgot. Uh, Sibieski was another yeah, well, one who I thought about when we were talking about the greatest strikers of all time. He scored that one I mean, really good free kick, do you remember? That like yeah, P-rolled yeah. all along the floor. <laughs> I also started thinking about players who we signed who then just got injured and, and like never played for us. And there was like Steve Walsh, yeah. uh, you know, who I thought was just going to be the best signing when he came. Dejan yeah. Stavanovic. You know, like who you like? Well, this guy's got a real pedigree. You know, he's going to yeah. be a brilliant centre back at this level. So yeah, they did, they weren't loans, but you know, I just wanted to give them honourable mentions. As, oh, I'm as sure they'll be lads they're, they're who PR absolutely delighted. Money from this club. Yeah. All right then. Well, um, thank you for sending in your your questions. Thank you for listening to our prattle. Um, we will be back not too far away. It's been been a long time. Sorry about that. Life got a bit busy, but we will be back. Like hopefully talking about. Yeah, I reckon we need at least six points absolute minimum from the upcoming three games to set us up nicely for those very very tasty looking playoff six pointers i acknowledge you exist john everyone else mind how you go